a very warm welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast with your host, Paul Lowe. Paul offers wisdom, insights and tips for living a healthy, meaningful, purposeful life. On the back of overcoming extreme adversity, Paul has a proven track record of achieving life-enhancing results. He offers empowering advice and guidance to help people develop a mindset for success so that they can live with more happiness and prosperity. Through his Mastering the Game of Life podcast and books, Paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world, as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organisations in their development, fundraising and projects. Hello listeners and welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode, where today I'm joined by Somebody from my hometown of Nottingham in England, uh, a gentleman by the name of Paul Kelly. Paul, very warm welcome to you. Good morning, Paul. And one of the things that you felt quite passionate about uh, wanting to share on this podcast, Paul, was the subject of why all life matters. So I think the, um, you know, the uh, although there's only three simple words in there, I think the title's fairly self-explanatory. Tell us why, Paul, that that particular focus was so important to you. I think when you are born, you are everybody's equal. Everybody is born with, with nothing, essentially. And I think everybody deserves a fair crack of the whip, irrespective of what colour, what gender, where they're born, what country they're born in, how rich their parents are. We're all born into the same world, so therefore, all lives should matter equally. Okay, so we've set we've set the bar there, we've set the foundation. So where does it all go wrong then? I think depending on where you're born, can have a massive influence on what happens into your in your life. Uh, depending on what what continent you're born in, what postcode you're born in, what family situation you're born into whether your parents are both present, one present or neither present, whether you're born in good health, partial health, or have health difficulties. I think from an early, early age, you can become categorised or labelled, almost like somebody from up above, whether it's... Um, a council worker, a social worker, somebody from the government almost labels you as a category. You are you are an A1, you are an A2, you are a B1, you are a B2 because of where you live, your family environment, um, and what what area of a particular city, town, or country that you live in. You are almost given a label that you are unlikely to succeed or you're more likely to succeed. And I think from my own experiences, I've seen this more and more often, whereby people are, when they get to a certain age where it comes to finding a job, they might have the same qualifications as somebody, but because they live in a particular postcode area, they're less likely to get a job than they are if they lived in a more favourable postcode. It's almost there's a stigma attached to where they live. 
Okay. Uh, I want to come in at that point, Paul, and, and um, well, open things up a bit because what you've said, I understand, and I want to play a little bit of devil's advocate here and say, okay, so when we talk about labels, and, and you and I have had private conversations about my personal disdain of labels because, you know, I go on record regular saying I really could not care less whether people are so-called black, white, young, old, gay, straight, rich, poor, whatever the label, whatever the tag is, it's irrelevant. However, in a day-to-day practicality of what happens in the world, it's not irrelevant because people carry those burdens. So what you've talked through us so far, Paul, if I understand it correctly, is all these what I call the externals, you know, the government, the system, it categorises you. But I would I would challenge that. I mean, I wouldn't sort of challenge that in its um, in its most simplest form. But I challenge it in a more deeper form, and to say there's actually bigger challenges that lie within or closer to home. Let's use that term, closer to home. So, so if we use three levels of labelling, you've just given the first one, the externals. You know, the government, the system, this, that, the other, whatever that may be. So let's start bringing it a bit closer to home now. Isn't it true from childhood we get labelled by people that within our own family, for example, our close friends, you know, you've got a nickname, your nickname's PK. So, you know, now that's innocuous, that's not disrespectful, that's, you know, that's even quite, I suppose, endearing because people that are close to you refer to you as PK and, and, and I'm one of those. So... But that's still some kind of label, isn't it? It's some kind of something that somebody's chosen fit to give you. It's, you know, you wasn't born PK. Um, I and many others call you that name, PK, obviously short for Paul Kelly. Um, but I use that example, Paul, to say that people, um, you know, they give us they give us labels and I'm not saying maliciously, because obviously from a family perspective, you know, you'd, you wouldn't like to think that, you know, people really close within your family, parents, siblings, etc., etc., would be that malicious. It does happen. Of course it happens. Not all families are harmonious um, or even remotely so. So I want to go into that next level, PK, of people close to home. Any thoughts around that? Well, I think you're you're given a label by those close to you when you are born because you're given a name, mm. and I think that can have um, that can have an effect on you. Yeah. If you as you grow up, if you don't like your name, I happen to like the name Paul. Um, I think you can start start almost by having a, a negative feelings about yourself if you prefer mm. other people's names to your own. Um, I think just by by your name, some people will go, who are maybe a bit older than you, I don't like your name. I've got a friend who I used to be my friend. His name was Paul and he was horrible to me. So I, I'm, I'm going to associate you with that name. So therefore, I'm not going to like you. I think the whole, I think naming someone nowadays can be very important. Um, I heard something yesterday about somebody who had applied for a job and they'd applied using one surname and they were unsuccessful. 
Now, they were more than qualified for this particular job. And they thought, as an experiment, they'd apply with a different surname, which sounded more English. Hey, presto, seven days later, they got the phone call. They were accepted for the job. So just the initial name and surname, you are or can be labelled by someone as being a particular type of person. You are initially categorised. So I think your initial um, naming or label that you're given by your parents or your guardian can ultimately have a massive determination on how people view you. Um, mm -hmm. They automatically associate a name with a particular type of person. If a name sounds like it's Irish, they expect an Irish person. If it sounds like you're Indian, they're expecting to view an Indian person, whether it's someone they've met over the phone, they have a telephone interview for something, and then they go, okay, you've done really well over the phone, we'd like to see you in person. They've already got an expectation of who they're going to view. And I think that's where this whole labeling can go into uh, a predetermination of somewhat prejudice. And this is where education to me is so important that we break down these assumptions of what people are going to be like and that we educate people so that we break down these predetermined assumptions that a category A person is what we need for a category B job. Uh, we don't want a category B1 person because we don't think they'll fit in because they're slightly different to everybody else. When in fact, they could be the best person for the job. So listeners, at this point, I want to, it might sound that we're kind of going a bit left field and we're flying away from the main topic that we, we flagged up at the top of this conversation around why all lives matter. But bear with us, because uh, as, is, as is my way as a host, as you know, we tend to dance all over the floor and, and try and cover as much ground as we can to leave, um, yeah, to leave you, the listeners, with this thought of, well, do you know, there's so much more to than just a simple title like Why All Lives Matter. You know, on the surface of it, as I said, three very, very simple words but as I say, stick with us, stick with us on this because we're going to go a bit deeper now, Paul. So we've gone from that very external system approach. We've come a bit closer to home with family, uh, parents, peers, etc., etc. I want to really, really come close to home now and talk about ourselves. Never mind about the system. Never mind about our loved ones. What about us? Imagine yourself in a dark room, there is only you, or on a desert island, that's it, there's only you. Because the reality, listeners, is it not true that all we have in this world, as much as we might have a very close, loving, uh, tightly knit array of family and friends, the reality is, when you strip it all back, it all comes down to us as an individual, as a soul, and that is in my humble opinion, the reality of life. So with that as a focus, PK, and let's start to bring it back to why all lives matter now. So I want you to imagine that you've got no family, you've got no friends, it's literally just you. 
And any conditioning, prejudices, anything at all that you've collected over the years, it's kind of having a look at, at that, having a look at yourself, having a look in the mirror and say, actually, who have I become? Does my life matter? Because I hear so many people say, well, you know, my purpose on life is to feed my kids. And, and, that, and I, I, listen, I'm not challenging that. I'm not judging that. You know, as parents, as, as guardians, as carers, you know, I think it's admirable, beyond admirable. That I mean, that's so mild, that word admirable. It makes it sound like nice. But it's so powerful that, that we actually contribute and give and love and nurture. I mean, surely that's the greatest, one of the greatest gifts available. But playing devil's advocate again and stripping that back, you know, that why all lives matter. Why does my life matter? So I ask you, PK, why does your life matter? Stripping out all the external considerations. I was I was born into this world, and it's I've always gone about looking to help others, and I'm looking at my life as important. Um, I was born into a predominantly white neighbourhood where perhaps people looked upon me slightly differently but once they overcame their initial fear of someone who was slightly different to themselves they realised that I was ultimately the same as them and I kind of took it upon myself to explain to them how I felt about certain things. And I, they realised I didn't feel any differently to them. Um, I've always... So, so, sorry to interrupt there, Paul. Um, for the purpose of the listener, explain what you mean around you being slightly different, because at the moment that's still a bit ambiguous. We haven't clarified that. Um, I, I, uh, I'm mixed race, and 99.9% .9 of the people who lived in the area I lived in were white. So mm. I was perhaps the exception to the norm. Most people would expect to see uh, a white person living where I lived. Um, and I was a gentleman of colour. Um, yeah. there, there were hardly any people in the area that I was bo um, born in who were non-white. You could count them on one hand. So going back then, to keep this focus, PK, of... Um... See, I've done it there. <laughs> I've called you PK. That just that just shows you, doesn't it, the power of that kind of, you know, that emotional attachment of family, friends that I keep referring to. But anyway, we'll park that slightly. Um, so I want to bring it back to this just you, just you. Because isn't it true, listeners and Paul, that we can be and usually are our own worst enemy. We judge ourselves so harshly based on labels that we've picked up over the years, and usually they're, they're heavily embedded from childhood. That's usually where it starts. You know, those particularly those formative years, you know, around sort of three, four, five, six years old mark, where we soak things up like a sponge. That's why young children, they can learn languages, they can learn so much stuff. And, you know, the elder generation just sort of step back in wonder and amazement. It's like, well, how can they do all this? How can they? I can't even remember my name at times. And as this young person, he or she, they're learning five languages. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're doing the other. And it's like none of it's a problem. They just laugh at it. Well, that's the creativity and the sponge of the young mind. So 
as we soak that up, Paul, you know, we do inherit these labels, don't we? And and, and most of them might be given, uh, we hope anyway, with good intention and certainly without malice. But who's to say? Nobody really knows that person other than that person themselves. And actually, they might not even know themselves. You know, they might be confused at an early age around a whole host of things, especially, you know, in those sort of adolescent years when the whole physiology of the body's changing, the mind's changing, etc., uh, etc. Et so it's a real kind of, you know, mixed bag of, 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 of emergence. So I kind of put it to us, uh, to you, Paul, that within this all lives matter, they do, absolutely. I mean, that is the headline banner, period. No questions asked. That is it. It's not up for grabs. There's a lot of people that would disagree with that. I mean, we've kind of re- relatively recently had the, uh, I want to be quite controversial and product- provocative here and say the all black lives matter, you know, almost to splinter. Well, my take upon that, yes, is black lives do matter, but so does every other life as well, you know. Why, why marginalise? Why, you know, and, and I've, I've been involved in some pom, uh, podcast conversations and private conversations around this very topic. And I suppose like all debates, Paul, there is no right, there is no wrong, there is opinion only. And um, so I kind of use that to say, OK, let's bring it right back to all lives matter. But it's about us as an individual, isn't it? taking a look at ourselves, constantly assessing ourselves. Never mind what my mother may have called me when I was young or my father may have done when I was young and give me these labels. Um, That doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it wrong. It made it the truth and the label that they chose to give to me. And I say this, listeners, so much around whatever the label is, you know, addict, the the list goes on. I mean, I'm not going to start listing them all. We've all got our own sort of insights about what they may be. But isn't it true that until we, as an individual, start taking that responsibility for who we are, I would offer that actually our lives don't matter as much as really they should do because we're not fully aware of who we are and the power we have. Because over the years, and as I say, usually from childhood, that's that's kind of been diluted. That's been pre-framed. You are this, you are that. And I'll give you an example, Paul. You know, you know the area I come from, Bestwood. Very, very rough area, very tough area. One of the statements I grew up with when, and this um, uh, became even more apparent in later life, when I did actually go to university, guys like us don't go to university, we go to prison instead. And I grew up believing that to be true. But luckily, somehow, I had the intelligence to kind of, um, you know, body swerve that one. Any thoughts around any of this, Paul? I think people grow up and they become stigmatised by the labels that they are given. You're tall. You're tall, Paul. You should be good at basketball. Yeah. Um, you're strong. You should be a boxer. Yeah. Oh, you're you're uh, you're quick. You should be um, a sprinter. Oh, you're fat. You shouldn't be on the football team. Mm-hmm. I think uh, as a young impressionable child, some some of these children, when they're told this by whoever it is, one of their friends, one of their peers, their PE teacher, they go, actually, yes, I'll be a footballer. Oh, 
yes, I am fat. Um, I'm not going to be on the football team. I hate sport. Well, actually, there's another lad over there who was told that and he didn't like it. And he decided that he wanted to be on the football team and he tried his hardest and he got on the football team. But for every one person who counteracts the label that they're given, there are probably three or four who believe it for whatever reason, because it's perhaps reinforced to them from an early age that they are, they are, I don't like saying the word thick, don't like saying the word stupid. They are lazy, for instance. And that mm. label, they start to believe the label and then they become lazy. Um, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Um, and then they, rather than go and play football, they stay in and hide because they're a bit ashamed of how they look or they're worried that somebody's going to call them by their label that they don't like. So they stay in more and maybe they start to comfort eat. So they get, they get bigger rather than going out and playing with their friends. The label is almost eating away at them so much that they don't go out with their friends. And I think that early label can last for a long time until somebody turns around to somebody and says, actually, what you were told then is a load of rubbish. You are who you are. Be who you want to be. But sometimes you've got to build those people back up or break them down to build them back up. It's a question of awareness, isn't it? Because we don't know what we don't know. And, you know, I mean, as you know, we, you know, we've known each other many, many, many years now, Paul. And, you know, my belief system on what I inherited that I took at face value for so many years have really embroiled me in drink. You know, I had the label, you're, you're alcoholic from a very early age. Psychological dependency, I think, was what something that a term that I became aware of at an early I hadn't got a clue what it meant by the way, but it's isn't isn't it interesting how those words psychological dependency have stuck with me over the I mean I, I totally you know it's like okay I throw that word or that those two words around like confetti now because they're totally meaningless. It's yet again another label. Totally meaningless. My life matters now because I've taken control back of my life. So you you can give me a label. The outside world can give me a label. And if it's a nice label or a not nice label, with the greatest respect, I don't really care because I choose not to deal in labels. Now, that's my own inner world. The reality is... I have to be aware that the outside world and the vast majority of the world does deal in labels, pigeonholes, stereotypes. It's, for, in my humble opinion, it's from a basic inherent insecurity. I need to, oh, okay, Paul is mixed race. He is, I don't know, six foot, six foot three. Well, you know, he's tall, as you used the name earlier on, Paul. Tall Paul, PK, call him what you will. He's mixed race. You know, the outside world would put you in straight away, as you've alluded to, in a certain box. You're categorised, you're pigeon. We all are, we all are. So I understand how the outside world works in that respect, but I have a choice to make as an individual through awareness. I choose not to play that game. That's the world's game. Not everybody, but the vast majority, but it's not my game. And I think that's the big thing here, listener. When we, when we speak about 
all life matters. There's almost kind of that semi-contradiction to say, actually, before we can make that all statement or our lives, that collective, we've got to take that control back and say, first and foremost, my life matters. That's the big message. And then when we've got that control and that power back to say, my life matters, right, okay, so where's my fellow kindred spirits now? Where's the, you know, the the, the PKs of, of this world? Uh, and I use that term rather than Paul because I don't want to confuse it with me being Paul. So, you know, where are those kindred spirits? So one becomes two, two becomes four, and all of a sudden the world's got a completely different dynamic to this. No, PK six foot three is going to be a fast bowler uh, because he's mixed race and he's been, you know, influenced by, because um, uh, I know you're into cricket. Um, <laughs> give me an example, Paul, of some West Indies fast bowlers over the years. Legends. Kirtley Ambrose, Courtney Kirtley Walsh. Kirtley Ambrose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those kind of, you know, those kind of figures. It would be very easy. Uh, I mean, you tell us, Paul, has that kind of stereotype ever been attributed to yourself? Uh, more, most definitely. It just happened that, happened that I watched the West Indies cricketers of 1976 and I was actually gifted, um, happened to be good at cricket. So it was something that I pursued. Um, but as I got older... Lots of people say, said to me, um, you play cricket, but why don't you play basketball? Because you're tall. You must surely you yeah. play basketball. And I'm like, no, I don't play basketball. Um, on a note of humour, Paul, I'd just like to add in, and this is totally irrelevant, listeners, by the way, totally, totally irrelevant. But I'd just like to say that my prowess when it comes to cricket is I can spell the word bat and I can spell the word ball. There endeth my knowledge passion, interest, skill, ability in cricket. I just throw that in for totally, totally nonsensical and meaningless, but uh, that's an aspect of life, isn't it? Okay, Paul, so we're starting to, you know, to walk, work towards um, a finale here on this, um, what can be, and I've heard many people say this, very contentious, provocative subject of all lives matter. So if you was to leave one message to the world around why all life matter, why all lives matter, what would it be? It would be that you may have somebody who's the other side of the world who you're the exact match for if you need the heart transplant. But if you think that their life is worth more than your own, the chances are you're never going to going to get to meet that person who could save your life mm. yeah there's a there's a kind of if i'm hearing you correctly there paul there's a kind of metaphor it's a bit like going on a plane where they say put your own oxygen mask on first in the case of an emergency landing in other words you've got to be the best you can be you've got to be you know prepared fit ready call it what you will before you can help others and that kind of fits in with what i said around before we can make this collective all life matters we've got to actually create a foundation that and i'll say it again and no apologies for repeating this yes but my life matters and then when i've got control of that then i've got something to give and i give it to the people that you know that that need it most and i think that's you know in my own humble opinion that's not a bad way to live life but you know we're all different and we're all on a journey and we're all learning all the time 
And uh, hopefully, listeners, it's conversations like this that are so very diverse and there is no right, there is no wrong, it just is. And um, yeah, okay then, Paul. Well, thank you very much for being part of this um, this this conversation, raising awareness. I've used that word so many times. And uh, before you go, I just invite you in to um, to share your contact details, how people may be able to to find you by uh, you know by your normal means, whatever that may be. Yes, I'm on uh, Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn, and I've uh, just started on Instagram because I've heard that's the way to go. Okay. So um, great label, isn't it? I've heard it's the way to go. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe in a year, two years, five years, who knows? There'll be a new social media fad. I don't know. There's a question, listeners. In five years, will we still have social media? Everything comes around and goes around, doesn't it? I'll leave you with that thought. Other than to say thank you to our guest, Paul Kelly, from my hometown in Nottingham, as I've said. And also to leave you with this thought, remember... Mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts. Thanks very much for listening to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. If you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul at paul-low.com with any thoughts or questions you may have. He'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www paul-low.com Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts.